You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Per usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor catching you all the way back up with a crazy week of MLS and just soccer here in the United States. Uh, we got a lot to talk about as the MLS regular season is winding down and decision day is on the horizon and playoff spots are still up for grabs for some teams. So really exciting episode. But before we get into the wonderful world of MLS and U.S. soccer, wanted to check in with you guys. Connor, I know school, we're in the thick of school, uh, but how's your week been? It's been busy. Um, and it's about to get even busier. I, I, I audio produce for one podcast, um, which you should all check out, but it's hockey, so I won't plug it on here. Uh, and that is, I have to do that Wednesday. And now I'm audio producing another podcast for a couple of my friends who are also doing hockey, which they're recording their first episode, hopefully tomorrow. So I got to do two podcasts. I got to edit them, which takes as long as they're recorded plus half an hour, an hour, maybe even more. The hockey one last week took me six hours to edit um, because it took a lot of work. Uh, But yeah, I got to do that. I got an assignment due Friday. So I am certainly busy per se. And that doesn't exactly lend itself to being able to watch a lot of MLS. So I might be a little quiet when it comes to the games this week because there isn't a Toronto FC one and all I do is watch Toronto FC at this point because I have no time. Uh, But that's my life. Josh, hopefully you're a little bit less busy than me. Yeah, a a little bit, a lot of bit less busy than you, really. Um, But I I had a good week, good weekend. Mandalorian, second season, debuted last Friday, so it was fun to watch that again i really enjoyed the first episode no spoilers or anything but i thought it was was pretty good for a season opener so it was good to get that back um i started ted lasso a week or so ago and i finished that today that that show by the way is very easy to to get through so so good very good and yeah got to got to see a lot of friends this weekend that i hadn't seen in a really long time a couple Small get-togethers. I had some friends over last night uh, for my birthday, so that was a lot of fun. That is today. Go ahead. Oh, happy birthday! <laughs> a birthday episode. Yes, of the yes. Love that. So, uh, so yeah, today was was pretty chill. I just kind of relaxed. Wrote a my favorite newsletter so far, I'm writing about a lot of of my favorite sporting events. But uh, yeah, it was it was a good weekend. Lots of fun, and uh, this week will also be pretty busy for me as well. And I'll tell you guys all about that next week, though. But, Drew, how was uh, your week and your weekend? It's been pretty good. I do appreciate the no spoilers on The Mandalorian. I just started that a couple days ago, like from episode one, because I saw, like, the second season dropped and everyone was excited about it. So I'm, like, through episode six, I think. So I'm almost there. Um, But I started that, so that was good. Um, School's been pretty relaxed. The... Election is tomorrow, so I think as everyone knows, and that is just a whole different world as far as working. I'm sure, I don't know, Connor, how much 
you guys are getting it, but like in journalism, covering this election has been absolutely horrendous from a school perspective. It is nonstop up here in Canada because everything really? you do affects us, um, which is just an honest truth. And I, our family, or at least my parents and I are pretty tapped into news to begin with, myself and my dad especially. So we follow it very closely. Um, I say very, but I follow it fairly closely. And I'll watch Philip DeFranco. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. The oh, yeah. YouTube. Classic. Yeah. I watch his stuff every single day uh, that he posts. So I find that's a good little snippet primer for that. And Canadian news usually <laughs> leads off with whatever's happening in the election. And that fun stuff. And as a Twitter person, it's nonstop. So... Yeah, can you please stop? Because I'm very, very tired of your politics. I'm so sorry. You think you're tired? <laughs> you think you're tired? You don't even live here. Uh huh. But that's because it actually affects your life. I'm sorry. This is like very little effect on your life, <laughs> and it's nonstop. I'm sorry. We're putting you through that. <laughs> oh, it's so tiring. But eh, it'll only be a few more months. Fingers crossed. We'll see, though. So back to the Mandalorian, real quick. <laughs> To get away from all that, to get away from all that nonsense. Yeah. So, Drew, you said you just started it, like for the first time ever. Yeah, I think I just finished episode six yesterday. What? What just? What just happened in that episode? Oh man. So, okay, let's think. What What was like the main? Was the main gist of it? Main gist of it. Let me let me kind of track back here really fast. So they, I don't know like all these characters' names. So like all that is different. But it's the episode where they're in. I think it's like the spaceship, yes. And I think they're all on the same side. And then the Mandalorian turns on them. And it's like, you know, the very fir- the first real Star Wars that they made, episode four, like that opening scene where it's like the very white spaceship looking thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Like the whole episode is in that. So this, this was the prison break episode. Yes, where like okay, everyone good. dies. If yeah. you're listening to this yeah, at this point, I apologize for all of the spoilers <laughs> if you want to watch it. Oh, come on. It's been it's been a year. And no, they didn't die. There, There's a little thing at the end. They're oh. still alive in that prison cell. He just locked them up yes, in there. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes, people, yes. Totally yeah, people forget that. about that. It was so brief. So brief. Yeah. That's, I, I ask because that's my favorite episode of the season. That was I really just good. love the soundtrack, the... the Whoever did the music for oh um, Gronson Ludwig Gronson who did Black Panther and he's done some other um, Ryan Coogler films like Creed and he just did Tenet for Christopher Nolan over the summer as well but I thought his soundtrack was really cool it was very like horror esque so that was my favorite episode from this first season but just you wait until the season finale I actually shed a few tears of joy at how purely awesome one of the action scenes was so I'm very excited hopefully. Now. Hopefully you get to enjoy that. And minor spoiler, which you probably won't realize, Ted Lasso is in the season finale of really? Mandalorian. The wow. actor, the actor that plays him, Jason Sudeikis. So yeah. I doubt you'll pick up on who it is, but it's there. Trust me. I bet he's like covered in makeup. I bet something like that. Something like that. I'll find out though. I'll probably watch it. I don't know. I'll watch it eventually. Um, but yeah, so that's good. Uh, but getting to our fun episode of soccer, we had a lot of good news this weekend for North Americans abroad starting off. It started off with some bad news. We'll start with the bad and work to the good. Um, Christian Pulisic looked like he was going to be in the starting lineup, but I feel like this has happened before with a young American. He was hurt in warmups, which uh, I forgot who replaced him in the lineup. Timo Werner. But he, Timo Werner. He scored a goal too, so... 
Chelsea Who? Gay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that Werner guy, yeah. So that was a bummer. Uh, he was hurt in warm-ups, picked up a hamstring injury, and as the U.S. men's national team, I think in a couple of weeks, plays Wales in a friendly. And I think like Josh foretold us a couple episodes ago, uh, young Americans stay hurt when they're in Europe. So that was very sad, plus they pick up an injury. But better news, Josh Sargent scored for Werder Bremen. Uh, it was a 1-1 draw against Eintracht Frankfurt, but he still scored. I thought it was a pretty good goal. Uh, stayed on side just barely and a good finish. Uh, Weston McKinney unselfishly got an assist for Juventus in a 4-1 win. I really would have liked him to see him score that goal just to have him score for Juventus, but he did get an assist. And um, Richie Ledesma made his first appearance per PSV, and he got an assist out of that performance. So that was good. And on the women's side, Connor, this includes you too, Canada. Uh, Sam Mewis and Janine Becky both scored for Manchester City in a 3-1 FA Cup final win against Everton. Sam Mewis got the first one, and Janine Becky got the final final dagger to get the win. So it was a good weekend for North Americans abroad in Europe. Did any performances or anything stand out to you guys over the weekend? Also wanted to throw, I think we all forgot to add this to the rundown, Canada got their new women's coach this week as well since yes. the last time. we I can't remember the name. It's Bev, um, her last name. I'm, I'm blanking on it. For, or she's the former assistant coach on Canada. She also was an assistant coach on England as well. Um, I saw some positive, some negative reaction to it. Uh, people were sort of questioning the continued use of the same people over and over again and hoping for maybe a bit of a different option um, to replace Kenneth Heiner Muller uh, following his departure for, I believe it was like the head of Danish sports or something like that. It was some big um, position and I believe Denmark, it might've been the Netherlands, but yeah, it was a good step up for him and good move for him. But losing Muller, I'm sure there were some people who aren't going to be huge fans of it, but I don't know if she's good with the young kids. We're in a bit of a transition period for the Canadian national team, so hopefully they do well. The, the last name is Priestman. Bev Priestman is the coach. But um, for me, going back to the player performances from the weekend honestly the thing that i was the most happy about was richie ledesma getting on the field for psv um not much is known about the kid i'm not sure if you guys know anything about him but he was one of the players that helped star with the u20s last summer when they beat france justin rennix who plays for new england scored a goal in that game and like sebastian soto's from that team paxton pomacall mark mckenzie a lot of a lot of names that we're familiar with from that team ledesma is one of the players as well he had a great turnover and assist to lead to one of those goals in that win over France. But he's been stuck with PSV's second team for so long now. And I know a lot of people have been really frustrated with his lack of playing time in general. And so for him to finally make an appearance with PSV and then also get an assist in his like small 15-minute appearance is huge. Hopefully it leads to a lot more time with him because... Although he's still just, I think he's just 20 or 21, definitely don't want him to get lost because he had a lot of potential. He's one of the few purely attacking midfielders that the U.S. has had sort of come through the youth ranks. So hopefully this leads to, like I said, a lot more playing time and he can get himself back into the fold of the national team. 
Yeah, and he's the second best Richie from North America, uh, personally. Only second best. I, I mean, I'll give that to you. Richie Larea is a fantastic player, so I would say that the guy that is embarrassing dudes week in and week out is better than the guy playing for a second team in the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. I, That's fair. I was expecting a lot more pushback on that, so I brought it up. <laughs> no, no, no. I love Richie Larea. I, nothing but respect. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah, so it, it was a good weekend um, for Europe, um, if, in Europe for both Canadians and Americans. But getting more towards MLS, it was not so good of a week uh, for the LA Galaxy. Uh, Scaletto was fired on Thursday after a 5-2 loss to Portland. And I think, for me at least, and we'll get opinions about it soon, but I I thought this was inevitable given their poor performances as of late and just the big brand that that club has and such a standard of success. When you think of the LA Galaxy, you think of MLS Cups, and you think of being one of the biggest teams in the league. So to see their run of poor performance, I thought it was expected. What I did not expect was how long it took for this to happen. And I, want, I guess I'll start with you, Connor. Why do you think it took the Galaxy so long to make this move? Did you think it was inevitable given the recent run of per performances they had? I think it took a while because he's a big name manager. Uh, he came from a pretty good club. I believe Boca Juniors, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you get a manager like that, you like to give them as much time as you can. Uh, he's also somebody who... I think they just wanted to give time to try to build something. You know, they've been through, I think it's four managers in four seasons or something insane like that. And that's a lot of turnover. And speaking from experience, that turnover doesn't really lead to success. You sort of need a rock there to build a system, to build a culture. And I think they were trying to give him that time. But at this point, it just sort of became clear that this wasn't going to work. You know, they weren't on the same page in terms of the players and Chicharito uh, and Chilato to really find some sort of success with LA Galaxy. And it's unfortunate because he is a good manager, but it just it wasn't working and they needed to move on. Um, so I think they could have given him the last few games of the season because why not fire him at the end of the year? and then bring someone in to just really solidify the offseason, but I understand the move at the same time. I hate a lot of the things you said at the end. Uh, <laughs> not a good coach, for starters. Boca Juniors fans did not really like him. He was, well, I won't, I won't say that. He was very polarizing. That's what that's what I'll say. I think that's the best way to sum up his time with Boca Juniors. Their biggest complaint with him, uh, from what I could gather from a, a few Argentine reporters that I follow is that he didn't know what to do with the players he had. Sound familiar? Um, I saw a really good question posed. It might have been Alexi Lawless or Taylor Twelman on uh, Twitter. They put up a poll. They said, whose fan base should be more upset right now, LA Galaxy or Atlanta United? And personally, I would say the Galaxy fans should be more upset because you look at the two rosters and Galaxy by far and away have a much more talented roster. You've got Jonah Dos Santos, Christian Pavone, Chicharito, Sebastian Lechette. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. They've got some really good promising young players as well. And I think Atlanta, you know, the talent is is not very good right now. So if I was a Galaxy fan, I'd be super upset at 
having such a good roster and underperforming, whereas with Atlanta, she's kind of accepted at this point. Like, yeah, the players suck, the team sucks, go figure. Like, that makes sense. I think, in hindsight, Scalotto should have been fired during the, the hiatus, before MLS is back. Um, there were a lot of problems in those first couple Galaxy games. Uh, very well documented that all he wanted to do was cross the ball into the box, which didn't make sense with the players that they have at their disposal. And he, I think the team got better about it. I think they utilized Pavone a bit better down the stretch, and they had that really good stretch of games right after MLS is back where they won like four or five straight coming back from Orlando. Now, since then, I think they've only won like once or twice, which is terrible. So I think in hindsight, they should have fired Scalotto before MLS is back. And I don't think he's a good coach. He has not shown his ability to use the players that he has at hand. And so hopefully, at least for the sake of the Galaxy, for arguably the most successful franchise in league history, uh, they need to find a coach that works for the players they have. They need to find a coach that's going to use all that talent to get these wins. Because with that kind of roster, you shouldn't be losing all these games. Yeah, I agree. That's an interesting question about which fan base should be more upset. I still don't know which way I side with it. But yeah, I think I agree with Connor in that I think it took so long because a name like Boca Juniors is so attractive. And when you made that hire, um, so many people just took it as a good thing, right? Because there's this whole movement of signing players from Argentina um, and selling them to Europe. And then I feel like even if you don't follow Argentina soccer very closely, you know who Boca Juniors are. And just that brand with it is so big. And honestly, when I don't know when exactly he, they, the Galaxy made the hire and where that lines up with Atlanta United's look for a manager. Um, it was following Tata Martino leaving. I think he was still on the table. And I really wanted him to come to Atlanta. And now fast forward a couple of years, really glad that did not happen. Thankful Darren Eels does not listen to me. Um, but yeah, that's... So we'll see where the Galaxy go, I think. Like Josh said, they're probably the most successful franchise in league history. And it's such a good thing about MLS, I think. Because when you think of the big clubs in this league, you think I think you think partially of Atlanta United and LA Galaxy. And these teams are so bad this year. We talk so much about MLS being a league of parity. And two of the biggest clubs in the league are so bad. I don't know if the Galaxy have officially been eliminated from the playoffs or if they're fighting there. In Atlanta, essentially, has been eliminated, but they're still fighting. But seeing these big-name clubs that people just assume with MLS are so bad, and they're struggling so much this year, so that's a lot of fun for MLS. Um, but moving on to the playoffs, uh, before we get to playoffs, the LAFC-San Jose Earthquakes game was postponed, um, and the LAFC-Portland game might not be played this Sunday. They had th- LAFC had three positive COVID t- cases for the team. Um, so more games getting pushed back, which leads us to our next point. I think this news broke not long after we put out last week's episode, but MLS announced that they will move to points per game for playoffs instead of just straight up points, which for the Eastern Conference, I don't think it has a whole lot of effect right now, but it really affects the Western Conference, specifically with Vancouver and Colorado. Colorado looks like they're going to be in now, and it really looks like Vancouver is going to miss out on that final playoff spot which we talked a couple weeks ago about if we think Vancouver is going to go into the playoffs. And that was a question we posed, right? Was a lot of it depends on if it's points per game or just straight up points. And the league made it official that it's going to be points per game, which I am 
not upset about. I think MLS expanded the playoffs because this season's going to be really weird, right? And there's going to be a lot of question marks going on. And MLS addressed it as in we're going to expand the playoffs so more teams get in because this season's so weird. And to me, if you are on that bubble, if you miss out on the expanded playoffs, you didn't just go deserve to go to the playoffs anyway. Uh, I love the Whitecaps. I want to see him pull out a miracle. But if you're hovering around that playoff line right now, I don't think you deserve to get in at all. And credit to Colorado because they had a big game yesterday against Seattle, and they beat them 3-1, to one, which we might talk about later. But credit to Colorado. They took advantage of this points per game. I'm not too upset about it, although it does knock out the Whitecaps, it looks like, for making the playoffs. Um, but, Josh, what do you think about the league going from – point going to points per game for the playoffs be completely honest with you i don't really know for sure where i stand on it just yet i hopefully my ideal outcome for this is that colorado wins their last two games they have a game this wednesday night and then obviously decision day and then it doesn't matter in hindsight whether or not points per game needed to be used but i just something doesn't sit right with me all the way about them not playing as many other games. Uh, and There was even an athletic article that I was reading. Uh, someone from England wrote a piece about why using ports, points per game was not a good idea when they were dealing with their COVID stuff over the summer in the Project Restart. Um, I didn't quite get through the article all the way, but basically the gist of it was that the teams that haven't played as many games, they, they just it all comes down to strength of schedule and whatnot and the teams that they missed out on compared to what other teams had to go through to get to where they are. So hopefully, like I said, Colorado picks up six points this week and then it just doesn't even matter because if they do that, I don't think Vancouver can catch them with the points that they have right now. So I will say it's really weird looking at the standings on MLS's website because they've now updated it to where it's organized by points per game. And so you see a team like Real Salt Lake with 22 points, they're eliminated. And then a team like LA Galaxy with 21 points right above them that are not eliminated. So it's kind of goofy looking on the website right now, in the Western Conference at least. Um, and same thing, like Minnesota United is ahead of LAFC even though they have less points. So personally, I don't know how I feel about it yet. Like I said, I hope Colorado just kind of makes up my mind for me and I don't really have to think about this anymore. Um, but I do feel a little bad for Vancouver just because while they're still not a really a good team and they still have tons of issues, they have definitely been playing better as of late. And in MLS, I mean, all it takes is a good run down the stretch to get into the playoffs. And then if you're lucky, that run continues through the playoffs and then you have a good playoff run and you maybe even go to MLS Cup. Not saying that'll happen with Vancouver, likely, but I would hate for them to have played decent down the stretch and then not be rewarded for that when it is normally rewarded in any other season. So that's where I'm at on, on this whole points per game decision. I'm, I, I think it makes sense in the Western conference. I don't know about the Eastern conference though, because I believe every Eastern conference team is going to finish with the same games played. Uh, that appears like oh maybe not that's weird oh no yeah so they will finish with everyone will finish with 23 games played um so i understand why they did this um it does i guess i think it clears toronto or philadelphia to 
win support or shield no matter what. It'll be one of those two teams because I don't believe Columbus, Orlando, Portland, SKC, uh, or Seattle, etc. can catch them. Uh, I might be completely wrong with that, but I I understand it. I think it makes sense. Um, I don't really have an issue with that, but it's it's such a tough situation because you look at the East and how they've done everything so successfully and you think, okay, why are they getting punished for playing more games? And you look at the West and there are teams like Colorado who have played what? Like 15 games? 16. Yeah, they just got 16 last night. 16 games. So, you know, they're going into the playoffs a lot more rested. So... I don't know. It's it's tough. It's COVID is going to lead to some sort of discussion like this, and it makes sense. And I think as long as, as long as it's done fairly, which I think that they've done this fairly, it's going to be. It should be not controversial. I don't know if it will be, but it should be, in my opinion. Uh, but we'll have to see whether or not teams sort of like it. Uh, I know Vancouver certainly has issues with it. Uh, their Twitter account weren't exactly... The best Twitter in the league. Yeah. Side note, the best in the league. They weren't exactly very happy, and Colorado sort of subtweeted them, which I did not like. Uh, I thought that was no bueno um, because they, they're the reason that this has had to happen. And... I don't know if they should necessarily be benefiting off of their own failure in a way, but it's neither here nor there. I understand it. Vancouver fans should be incredibly mad um, and rightfully so, but yeah, it's just, it's a tough situation really. Quick question and we'll move on. If Colorado goes on to win MLS cup, Will you take the trophy with a little bit of, I, I hate saying the word, if Colorado wins MLS Cup, will you take it with a little more of an asterisk than if, say, Seattle, Portland, Philly, Toronto would win it? I wouldn't personally because I think that, I think that it's still deserved and we don't know what COVID does to the body. And one of the big things that it affects is your breathing and your lungs. So, based on the fact that quite a few of them have caught it, they've also been hurt by not playing. You know, they still they weren't able to play a match for a month, and that's going to hurt your match fitness. So, I'm not going to take it with a grain of salt. But if they just walk through every team, I will. I just don't think that'll happen because it's MLS. So. I won't put a bigger asterisk next to this entire situation in the MLS Cup um, period, but I will put an asterisk next to this MLS Cup, not for the reasons that some people are because it's unfair, but because I think it's harder to win this year than any other year. Yeah, for me personally, I don't, I don't really care. It's I'm not going to 
think any less of whoever wins this year. It's sort of the same thing with you know baseball with their season being shortened by 100 games since they didn't get to finish the full season. So it doesn't bother me too much. Like I said, best outcome for me personally is that Colorado just gets enough points and the points per game part just doesn't matter. But also, like Connor said, I don't really, I don't really expect the Rapids to tear it up in the playoffs, and get all the way through. And who knows if the rest or lack of rest or battling COVID is going to have any effect on it anyway. So, yeah, it doesn't really bother me too much. What, what about you, Drew? Do you, would would you put an asterisk next to it if the Rapids won? Uh oh, man, I would. Yeah, again, it's a little different. They're getting the playoffs via a different way than usual. So I would slap an asterisk by it. Again, if you take it, which originally I wouldn't even ask this question, but then they go around and beat Seattle 3-1. to one. And to me, if you beat Seattle 3-1, to one, then who knows what you're going to do in the playoffs. So I would slap an asterisk beside it. But again, like you guys said, it's not like it's just one game. You have to keep beating people, keep beating people to win it. So it's a little different. But again, I think Colorado Rapids fans would be over the moon if they went through all this and somehow find a way to win MLS Cup. Uh, Moving on, some news. Actually, so we have some news that broke today and some news that broke 11 minutes ago while we were recording this podcast. Uh, We'll start with the news that just broke. Valencia star Eunice Musa. You you know what I'm talking about? Valencia player. Yes. He just accepted a call-up with the men's national team later this month. No, he did not. Paul Tenorio reported it 12 minutes ago. Holy crap. He's born in New York, and he's represented England before at youth levels. Oh, my gosh. This is a huge deal. This is a huge deal. I was on Twitter trying to find the Colorado Rapids tweet Connor was talking about, and I say U.S. men's national team only freaking out. Like, what's going on? And, yeah. And, the oh, yeah, the November roster drops tomorrow for the men's national team. Wow. So. Wow. Okay. That's big news. Maybe we'll talk more about that next week. I just want to say that Matt Doyle was totally like, you know how he is. He, he trolls. He says he doesn't troll, but everybody knows that he's trolling most of the time. He was totally trolling like 24 hours ago about that kid coming to the U.S. men's national team. Because like you said, Drew, he's got the, uh, he's got the, the caps with the youth teams with England already, but he just scored for Valencia. I think over the weekend and he became the quote youngest Englishman to ever score in La Liga and in the Spanish league. So then Matt made that joke about him possibly coming to the U S and then he made another joke about it earlier this morning. He was like, what if I'm not kidding? Everybody's like, what do you know? So the fact that this is like actually happening, this is a huge deal. I think this is a steal for the men's national team. So that's exciting news. That was not in the outline, folks, but that just broke about 10 minutes ago. But some more breaking news that broke, I think, earlier this morning. Uh, CONCACAF Champions League looks like it's coming back in December. It's going to be more of a bubble format. Uh, LAFC still has a single game left to play, uh, or they're just, they haven't played their first leg of that round, right? Correct. And they're just they're doing just, a, single just a single game. Mm-hmm. Okay, while Montreal, NYCFC, and Atlanta have to play their second legs. Um, I honestly, I'm real with you, as an Atlanta fan, I tried to forget that CONCACAF Champions League was a thing. Uh, I don't want to do it again, but I guess it's cool. It's in a bubble, which I feel for Montreal, you're going to Orlando competing in a bubble, and now you're playing in Red Bull Arena, 
away from Canada, and now you're going to have to go back to another bubble, I think in the United States, to play in Champions League. So this team's been in three bubbles over this past season. So Montreal's been through the absolute ringer. Um, but I guess really quickly, if you guys have any thoughts, excited about Champions League coming back? Did you think it was going to come back? Or what's, what do you think of Josh? I'm like you, Drew, as an Atlanta fan. I hate this a lot. This is the last thing I wanted to see, especially because most likely due to the roster freeze rules, Atlanta can't even use the new signings they got over the summer, like Marcelino Moreno and Jurgen Dam and Kubo Torres. So like that's going to be a horrible version of Atlanta United playing against Club America already down 3 nothing from the first leg. However, one of my friends mentioned this today, can Joseph Martinez play? I was about to ask that. Yep. Now, I don't know how the rules work since he was, you know, he can't play anymore in MLS this year because he's put on the season-ending injury list, but I don't know how that interacts with the CCL roster rules. So we did allow ourselves to get just a little excited in this year, 2020, about Joseph Martinez possibly taking the field for Atlanta United. Granted, I would hate for him to come back and then, like, nothing come of it or him get re-injured so at this rate i just i kind of wish atlanta would just forfeit the 3-0 game like just give club america give club america the tie it's fine like we we can live without having to go through ccl especially when this this season has just been a wash we don't even deserve to be in there to be honest i was just imagine if he re-injures himself if he does play and it just ruins next season i would cry I would straight up cry my eyes out. That would be peak Atlanta sports right there, I think is the best way of putting that. Um, Yeah, the entire bubble situation, though, is just why they chose the U.S. Why? Like, you have Mexico. You have other South American or Central American countries who are likely a warmer because, you know, December, middle of winter, you know, you consider that th- that factor into everything. So you're not playing in the north. I can guarantee you that. The Mexican teams play in the north, they'll all die of hypothermia by the end of the match. So, no, to begin with. I just, I don't understand why they chose the U.S. Like, I just, I can't get over that. Why the U.S.? It might, it might... I was going to say, it might just be because of the lax protocols in the U.S. right now that they can just kind of get away with bringing all these teams in quickly and just getting it done. Because at this rate, this is what this version of CCL is. It's, we just need to get it over with for the sake of being ready for the next round of it. I mean, come on. I mean, that's what it feels like with a lot of stuff happening right now. It just feels like, let's get this over with and hopefully we can we can move forward with our lives. But especially with CCL, with how long it's been. I mean, I mean, it's been since March. It was, it was already, it already felt super long going from March to July for MLS. Imagine going from March to December. The CCL tournament is basically lasting an entire year. So maybe that's why they're going with the U.S. Imagine if someone goes to MLS Cup of those four teams. Well, Atlanta isn't going to MLS Cup. No offense. Um, none taken. None LAF. Taken. Hey, you never know. No, it's true. It is true. Everything I say, usually the opposite happens. Um, so imagine if LAFC go to MLS Cup. Imagine if Montreal's not going to MLS Cup. 
NYFCFC probably isn't going to MLS Cup either. Imagine if LAFC goes to MLS Cup. Okay, <laughs> Drew, you give me that look for NYCFC. They don't even have a striker. Hey, man, you never know. But if that's the final, NYCFC, LAFC, MLS Are you Cup kidding final. me? They don't even have a striker? You, you, you're going to slander Tati Castellanos like that? The dude just scored a hat trick. trick last night. Okay. Congrats. <laughs> That's a striker. That's a striker. Who, Literally who just they, scored a hat trick like 24 hours ago. Oh. Red Bulls. Yeah, it's not a not terrible team. DC, not a great it's not team. It's not Atlanta United. They're pretty <laughs> I was good. Say. Yeah, if it was Atlanta United and Castellanos would have had like six goals. That's, you know you're not wrong. Look, okay, they don't have Heber. Maxi Morales is, what, he's been injured twice already this season? Yes, he is back, though. Yeah, he's right back. Now. He's been back for, what, a game? Two games? Yeah, okay. I don't think he'd lost to December. I do agree with you on that. So, I don't think they're going to do that well in Champions League. Unless uh, Sean Johnson just becomes just on Marc-Andre Ter Stegen or Manuel Neuer and stands on his head for all four, five, six games, however many games they end up playing. But it's it's what they had to do. I just wish it wasn't in the States. But again, the lax protocols, as you mentioned, probably had a pretty sizable thing to do with this. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. Um, have they, I don't think they've announced where exactly the bubble will be, whether it's going to be in, they'll go back to Orlando, whether they'll go to who knows where. But moving on, uh, some pretty bad news. Uh, Nia's Gota for Portland tore his ACL in Portland's one nothing win over Vancouver. Uh, obviously, he's been scoring a lot of goals recently. He's been on a good form of late. So really quickly before we get into the games this past week, do you think Portland can make... Does this injury change how far you think Portland can go in MLS Cup? Personally, I think it's going to be tough for them to overcome just because you've also lost Sebastian Blanco. And they've done a pretty decent job of surviving without Blanco, all things considered. And they have a deep team and everything, but losing both him and Nias Goda and Jeremy Obobese isn't fully healthy right now. He's still working his way back from a, an injury in the last couple of weeks. This just feels like bad timing for Portland. They still have a really strong team. And with it being single elimination, we all saw how they did in a knockout tournament earlier this summer. They could still do really well. You just hope that it doesn't end up affecting things for them. And, man, it just sucks to lose not one player, but two players to ACLs. Two designated players to ACLs, because I'm pretty sure Nia's Goda is one of their one of their DPs, along with Blanco and um, Chara? Is Jimmy, is Jimmy yes. Chara? No, Diego Jimmy Chara. One of, one of the Char brothers. Okay, so Jimmy's the... Got it. So, yeah, for them to lose two of their three DPs, I mean, that said, they still have Valeri and Abobasi and the Char brothers, and sometimes that's all you need. But it just sucks for them. I feel bad for them. I think they can still do all right. It's just going to be a lot tougher. I agree with what Josh said, although I think this won't be as much of an issue for them as we think it will be because we said the same thing when... Uh, Sebastian Blanco went down. We said, oh, we're, they're done, but they definitely weren't done. Uh, um, so I don't think this is the end for them. It definitely hurts, but they're still going to be competitive either way. 
Yeah, I agree. I think we're all on the same page. I think Portland, it's going to be hard to win MLS Cup, and given the high standard that Portland has developed for themselves, it's going to be really hard to live up to that win MLS Cup. But like Josh said, they they won a trophy already this year, so it's been a good year for Portland already, and this is going to make it a little bit tougher. But moving on to the games, uh, Connor got a little bit of help this weekend. Uh, Columbus beating Philadelphia 2-1 to one to keep... Toronto's supporter shield hopes alive if Philadelphia won this game it would have clinched the shield for Philadelphia but Columbus pulled one out and won two to one Uh, I guess we'll start with you Connor because you are much more involved in the shield conversation I'll make it simple is Toronto or Philadelphia going to win the supporter shield this year well first of all this is the one game this week apart from Toronto FC that I actually caught action of and it was the final minute of the game uh so if that tells you how involved I'm going to be with this team's discussion and game's discussion, I don't know what does. But I think Philly still takes this. I think they win this weekend. I think Toronto just battles and somehow squeaks out a win, maybe. Um, I'd have to look. Who do... Where are they? Philadelphia have New England. And New England are... They're already set in stone, pretty much. So, yeah, I it's I think it's going to be Philadelphia because of the goal differential. Unless Toronto can win by what, fourteen goals, that would only draw them twenty-two compared to eight goal differential. Yeah. So, unless they can set an MLS record for goals. They're not beating them on goal differential, which will require Philadelphia to either draw or lose, which is going to be a tall task um, for the New England Revolution. And it'll also be a tall task for Toronto to beat the New York Red Bulls, although they're starting to get healthy again. So maybe? Who knows? But ultimately, I think it's going to be Philadelphia. And it's going to be great for their franchise to finally get a trophy i i hope philadelphia gets it i mean no offense to toronto or anything but yeah they've they've done kind of all right for themselves the last few years especially compared to philadelphia but it's just it's kind of amazing when you, you take a step back and you look at what philadelphia has been able to accomplish over the last few years with everything they've done with their academy and it seems like they're finally reaping the rewards of the hard work that they've laid over these last few years so I do hope they, they get the Sporter Shield. Now, will they? I, I'm i not so sure because they don't have Andre Blake. And that ended up, it seemed like, having an effect on the game against Columbus. I didn't get to catch uh, most of the game. However, I saw some people saying that Joe Bendick, Atlanta's favorite Joe Bendick, he, uh, which actually he did go to school around here, which is kind of funny. <laughs> he did go to high school From around here. From a Toronto FC keeper as well. Man, he's been. I think he's been in a few teams in MLS. But um, yeah, he he filled in for Andre Blake, and it seemed like he could have done better on the goals that he conceded. So I feel bad for for Philadelphia. It seemed like everything was going their way, and to lose arguably their best player, arguably their most important player, Brandon Aronson might this late with in the that, season. But exactly, it's it's close. Honestly, Philadelphia, really good team effort. They have so many players that complement each other, it's kind of hard to pick one. But um, 
yeah, you know, it just it sucks for them. And I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't end up affecting things and they get the supporter shield regardless. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Drew, do you think Philadelphia is going to get the supporter shield or do you think Toronto is going to end up with it again? I think Philadelphia is going to win it because I watched, that's probably, I watched a little bit, a good bit of that game. I actually watched it as I was supposed to be in meetings for class. So my professors may or may not have caught me like staring off into the distance watching this game. But Philadelphia <laughs> came out, like, I think it was the first time they were down at half. I think Josh shared a tweet. Yes. Like, that's, that was an insane stat. And they came out and just, which we'll talk about Columbus's goalkeeper more. But I thought Philadelphia just came out guns a blazing and honestly should have won that game, but Columbus's goalie just stood on his head and made ridiculous saves. And like Josh said, there was a questionable goalkeeping error on Philadelphia's part where I thought he could have came out and caught it, but it just fell in. Columbus took advantage of it. So goalkeeping was the difference in that. But I think Philadelphia win this weekend and put it away. Um, but moving on to a team that's not in the shield, Nashville beating Montreal one to nothing, uh, And they drew Chicago... One to one on Saturday, they've clinched a playoff spot, an expansion side clinching a playoff spot, and I just realized this because right now they are in seventh. So they are, if it ended right now, they would host the Chicago Fire as in this play-in games. But when we talked about the New England Revolution, this got me thinking: the Revolution are only three points ahead, and they only have one better, a plus one goal differential over Nashville. New England has th- positive three goal differential. Nashville has a positive two. If uh, New England loses and Nashville wins and somehow gets out of that bottom four, this is a team that I think at one point was dead last in the West, if I remember correctly. And now they're fighting to be in the top six in the East, which the West and East thing is a whole different debacle. But Nashville has somehow become a really good team in MLS. And you compare that with the other expansion side, Miami, who I don't think they've officially been eliminated from playoffs, but they're not in the situation Nashville is in. But Nashville is just came out of nowhere, I feel like, and kind of this is interesting because I get a lot of 2017 Atlanta, Minnesota, United vibes from this. That one team is really doing well. The other team is not doing well, but it's very different. Nashville is very good defensively. I think they're one of the... I think Columbus is the only team in the league that's led in less goals than Nashville. And obviously we know how good Columbus yes. is. And Nashville just, I feel like they're quietly moving up the table and now they're looking at possibly not even having to do a playing game. So how how do you compare Nashville's expansion season to Miami's expansion season? Because obviously they're on two very different planes right now as the season winds down. For me personally, just from observing these two teams over the course of the year, I think it comes down to coaching because – you look at the talent disparity, and, and let's be honest, the Inter-Miami roster on its on its surface is a much more talented roster. They boast tons of international experience between the Higuain brothers and Matuidi and Pizarro. And you think about Nashville's star player, and it's probably Walker Zimmerman. So, you, I mean, looking at the rosters, I mean, yeah, Miami should be kicking butt, and Nashville should be questionable. So, to me, it comes down to the coaching. Diego Alonso has not done a good job, and you can check out uh, Alex Windley's tweets on Twitter. She helps cover Inter Miami for MLS Multiplex and a couple other outlets. And I saw her tweet something. It might have been earlier this week. It might have been on Saturday night or last night. Whenever Miami, oh, they played last night against Toronto. Might have been last night. She was saying 
Why is Diego Alonso still tinkering with this team like it's week five? And she has a point. The fact that they have been unable to settle into something consistent and routine has hurt the team. And it sounds like the 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 fault lays with Diego Alonso and his coaching. Meanwhile, Gary Smith in Nashville has done a fantastic job. He's gotten his players to buy into this defensive approach and it has taken time, but now the attack is starting to get much more involved for them at the right time, I might add, with this with the playoffs coming up so soon. So good for Nashville. Not only has the coaching been good, but also a lot of the moves were good. Mentioned Walker Zimmerman. In hindsight, that seemed like now to be a great deal because LAFC, they have struggled in the defense, to put it lightly. And Walker Zimmerman leaving might be a significant factor in that. And then you look at Nashville's defense, like Drew said, for them to be the second-best defensive team when it comes to goals allowed behind Columbus Crew, and only by one goal, too, that speaks a lot to them picking up Zimmerman and how savvy that move was. So really cool to see Nashville kind of stick it to the haters a little bit. You know, I was one of those people who didn't think they were going to have a good season. I think the majority of people probably said that they wouldn't make the playoffs or anything. And now, I mean, they're sitting in seventh. They would have made the playoffs in a normal season, even if it wasn't expanded for the pandemic. So good for them and, and good for them for making the right moves, getting the right coaching staff. It's really all coming together for them. So really nice to see. Connor, what are your thoughts on this whole Miami versus Nashville deal, especially Nashville kind of getting hot at the right time? Well, I think Inter Miami of the teams out of the playoffs have the easiest route to play to getting into the playoffs. Atlanta, as I just said, they're not getting into the playoffs because they have to play Columbus. So unless Columbus rests everybody, I don't think they're going to get that win. Um, Inter Miami, they play FC Cincinnati, so that should be a guaranteed win, realistically especially when you have Gonzalo Higuain at striker. That basically leaves it to Montreal and Chicago. What can they do? Montreal are playing DC, who theoretically have a potential path to playoffs somehow. Chicago, they're playing... Who are Chicago playing? NYCFC. NYCF Minnesota on Wednesday too. Oh. Yeah, they got two games yeah. left this week. Well then, uh, oh they do. They play Minnesota. Well, Minnesota will destroy them, and don't give me that face. I know they're going to destroy them. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You never okay. know. Uh, and NYCFC, they're playing to try to get into the top four. Realistically, that won't happen because they're so far back but they're still trying. So I think Chicago's going to have some tough games, especially with two in a week, which brings me to, I think, Inter-Miami get in. I think they squeak in. Like, barely. I think Chicago, I think the two games in a week, or I guess technically three games, because I believe they played this weekend, correct? They they just drew Nashville one one. Talking about Chicago, yeah. Yeah. So I think they're going to be tired from three games in a week, and that's going to cost them uh, in this playoff push. 
but I could see Montreal. I think Montreal is pretty much guaranteed to get in because they're playing DC. But I don't know. The East is a real toss-up right now. Yeah, I was going to say, there's five teams going for those last two spots. I, I don't see under Miami making the playoffs just because there's so many teams going for it. Between Montreal and D.C., uh, I, I think one of those will probably get in head-to-head. I, I don't see Montreal and D.C. tying. The defenses just aren't good enough for that. I don't think there's enough discipline with those two teams. Uh, and, you know, yes, Miami's playing Cincinnati, but they're also dealing with a few injuries. So if there was a team that was just going to lose to Cincinnati in, like, spectacular fashion, I think it would be Miami, if I'm being, if I'm being honest. That's what my gut is telling me. I also wanted to throw this out here. This is a fun stat I saw this week. I saved this tweet for this podcast. Uh, Chicharito, he has one goal in 692 minutes this season. Gonzalo Higuain, he has one goal in 703 minutes this season. So both of these dudes have been severely underperforming in embarrassing fashion. Meanwhile, you got Daniel Rios for Nashville who tore it up in USL last year. He's already got like five goals in like a thousand minutes or something like that. So, man, MLS, what a what a funny league. But Gonzalo Higuain's goal was pretty, so it counts for more. Well, yeah, tell that to Miami <laughs> fans when they're out of the playoffs in a few days. Say, I think that silence speaks for itself right there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that entire situation is just nuts. Uh, let's sort of wrap up the games, I guess, with NYCFC, who... Beat New York Red Bulls, and we'll forget the, we'll ignore the first game. Um, it's a good sign for them heading into the playoffs, especially getting back Maxi Morales. But what did you guys think about the Red Bulls game and the game that shall not be named? What what game are you referring to? I, I suddenly cannot read the outline anymore. I don't know what game that is. You know, I just took my glasses off, so I can't either. Drew, what game was that? I think is it it's pronounced oh, Toronto. Oh, a one nothing win. NYCFC beat Toronto. Wow, man. <laughs> what a bummer for Toronto fans. Don't say Toronto. It's Toronto. <laughs> There's no T. It's like that that's how yeah. it is in Atlanta. It's like if you pronounce the second T you're a cop. <laughs> Toronto, Atlanta. It's like Louisville. It's not Louisville. That's Louisville, fair. That's fair. But I digress. That's how you that's how you tell but, the locals from the non locals. Yeah, I'm not a local to Toronto, um, <laughs> but I think can, so the outline at first said, can NYCFC make a run in the playoffs? And then anonymous hedgehog here <laughs> said, can NYCFC, Josh is raising his hand, can NYCFC make a deep run in the playoffs? And I, I'm looking at the standings right now. Obviously, it's a little weird because you don't know where everything is going to fall, but Right now they are in fifth, so they would play one of those top four teams, Philly, Toronto, Columbus, Orlando. And I don't know about you guys, but I view those top four teams as like a separate class of the Eastern Conference. Like I see Philly, Toronto, Supporter Shield contenders, uh, Columbus, Orlando. I see those top four teams as the best of the East, legit MLS Cup contenders, and then there's everyone else. So I think – I don't think they can. I think they – no, I think they get knocked down the first round by what well, if it ended right now they would play yes. Orlando, I think, in that four or five game. Uh at the best they might win that game. We know how good Orlando's been this year. So I'm not gonna say they can't make a deep run. I think if they win 
if they beat Orlando, again, if it ended right now, if they win that game as the five seed, I, that's as much as I give them. Even though they're playing really good right now, 5-2 winning against the Red Bulls, nothing to sneeze at. But I, I can't say deep run. I think if they win one game, it's a successful run in the playoffs. I think New York City FC can make a deep run if they stick with what they've done over the this past week, which was just like a standard 4-2-3-1 with Maxi Morales pulling the strings. And you had a really solid midfield with Alexander Ring. And I want to say... I'm not even going to try. I don't know who the other midfielder was off the top of my head. But whatever they were doing tactically earlier this... I mean, for this week. I mean, to get six points in any week is huge. If they, if Ronnie Dyla doesn't mess with the team, I think they can be successful. I think they can do well. I think they might surprise a couple people. I'm with you, Drew. The top four are in their own separate class of teams. But... Again, single elimination, you know, we talked about it, I think, maybe last week. Yes, because I picked the NYC Toronto Toronto, sorry, Toronto game on Wednesday night as my game to watch because I wanted to see if NYCFC would still get some revenge on Toronto or the other way around, especially from MLS's back. So the fact that NYCFC surprised me and beat Toronto back in MLS's back in a knockout competition leads me to believe that maybe they can do something similar once we get into the MLS Cup playoffs. So I don't think it'd be a stretch to say that they can beat Orlando or Columbus. It would be a tall task, of course. Those are excellent teams, and it's looking like NYCFC is going to have to play on the road, uh, obviously depending on results from Decision Day this Sunday. So, again, I think it just comes down to whether or not Ronnie Dyla Galaxy brains his lineup. What do you think uh, about... NYCFC and, and a potential playoff run, Connor. I don't think they go very far, personally. I think the injuries have just killed this team, and uh, I believe Mitria has moved on. Correct. I mean, yeah, he's been loaned for eighteen months or whatever, yeah. so he won't be back until what twenty twenty two. Yeah, uh, I wasn't sure if he'd left yet. If that was a January transfer, but yeah, so they have. If Maxi Morales isn't health, uh, healthy, very little going forward. And I think they could get past Orlando, but I've routinely underestimated Orlando uh, on this podcast and in history, probably justly, because up until this year, they've sucked. But I think they, they could theoretically get through that game I don't think they get through Columbus, Toronto, or Philadelphia. Uh, I don't even know if they get through Red Bulls, to be honest. Uh, same with Nashville. Like I think it's they're such a tough team to read because they've changed so much over the last few weeks that I feel like they have to find a new identity. And. Ronnie Dyla is still trying to figure out that identity. But who knows? Maybe I'm completely wrong. I haven't been able to watch much of them this year because school has been insane. Um, but yeah, for all we know, they could theoretically somehow sneak their way into the top four. They would just take Columbus and Orlando losing their last two matches and New York winning theirs. But yeah, it's... Again, the entire East playoff picture is just completely up in the air right now. 
yeah, it's going to be exciting to see whether or not they can make a deep run, um, hopefully get their beloved MLS Cup. Uh, but yeah, wrapping up our three games, getting ready for next week, or before we get ready for next week, we'll talk some individual players. Um, players of the week, uh, Wanda, Wondolowski won it last week, right? He won Wednesday night, yes. Wednesday, so the weekday games. Then Castellanos from NYCFC won it from this past weekend for his hat trick against the Red Bulls. Again, NYCFC winning 5-2 to two in that game. Josh, who did you vote for for your players of the week, both for the weekday, the midweek games, and then this past weekend's games? I picked the players that won. Uh, so sort of sort of lame on my end. But I picked Wando for his, his brace and... You know, such a big game for San Jose. We talked about it a lot last week, but they needed that win over RSL. I also picked Randall Leal from Nashville since they picked up that win uh, midweek over was that was that Montreal. They got the one zero win. Yeah, so that was Leal's goal. So big for them. And then, like I said, I picked Tati Castellanos. Kind of an easy choice. He got the the hat trick, but I picked uh, Fafa Pico as. My second choice from Dallas, he had a goal and an assist in their Texas Derby win, uh, the 3-0 win over Houston on Saturday as they look to, to push the playoffs. So kind of kind of uneventful from me this week. I, I picked with the crowd, it seems like. Connor, who'd you have for uh, your player of the week picks or pick? Well, I didn't watch any games on the Wednesday so or midweek because school. <laughs> but I didn't make a pick for that. I did pick, and I'm sort of stealing this from Drew, although I was already going to pick him to begin with, uh, Eli Room, who had that insane match against uh, Philadelphia for Columbus. Uh, that kick save, I love those saves. I think goalkeepers need to use their feet a lot more. I don't think they use it enough in terms of making like kick saves and stuff like that. Um, it's one of the things that I love to do when I played. But, yeah, it's... I, like he had such a good game. Like I understand Castellanos obviously scored a hat trick, but to do that against the best team in the league, incredibly impressive. Yeah, I went with Eloy Room as well for the weekend games. Like Connor said, um, made really big saves in a really big game to keep. I guess not really for Columbus, but to keep Toronto FC's supporter shield hopes alive and to do it against one of the best teams, arguably the best team in the league was really good. He picked up eight saves, and they were all really big saves. Um, but from the midweek games, I picked Raul Ruiz Diaz. He had a goal and an assist um, against the Whitecaps, and this is after he had about three weeks in between this game and his last MLS game. So he came back and did really well, performed at the level I think that most people are expecting when he steps on the field. So I picked Eloy Room uh, for my weekend games and Raul Ruiz Diaz for going back to the midweek games. Uh, but now my favorite part of the show, goal of the week. My goal of the week was Andy Polo's goal. It was then volley. I think it was, I think it was the fifth goal in Portland's 5-2 win over the Galaxy. Uh, it was a volley that I thought he took very well. And so Andy Polo's volley against the Galaxy was my goal of the week. Josh, who got your goal of the week on? I picked Alexander Ring. I guess I'm I'm the one with the NYCFC love on tonight's podcast, but uh, yeah, he had a, a beautiful left-footed curler against Red Bulls. I think it was their fourth goal, or or maybe their fifth goal as well. All these five-two games this week, uh, but one of one of my favorite goals is the ones that 
or popped into the air and then they hit the underside of the crossbar and they go in and that's what he did uh, also i wanted to say about polo's goal i don't love it because it looked like he accidentally hit it perfectly I don't know how to explain it, but if you look at the ball, right, like he hits the underside of the ball and it moves like the way he rotates the what the spin that he puts on the ball, like it just moved slowly into the top of the net. It was very slow. It was like, um, oh my goodness, I'm for blinking on the name, but it was that goal for France in the World Cup. It was like the same thing. Oh, Benjamin. But Pavard. it was like you just got Andy Polo's goal from that no, goal. no, no, yeah. don't equate the two. That's disrespectful to Benjamin. Pavard. No, like if you got Pavard's goal and like slowed okay, it okay. down and put it in I'll slow motion, and then put it top so, corner. So, but Polo's goal was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was slow. I'll give you that. It was a little slower, but I still yeah. Love see, it. and then like the funny thing is, Polo's goal is really similar to Hurtado's volley from a couple weeks ago like very similar almost in the same part of the field but i like hurtado's a lot more because it was one time and like he just kicked the crap out of the ball like rifled it into the net whereas polo like i've scored a goal like that before was kind of fluky like you just get a little on fifa no, no, real life. hold on man hold on fire and shot <laughs> look oh i have God. only scored one volley ever but i will always remember it it was it's kind of similar. I need to watch these <laughs> pickup games. Holy cow, you're pulling Thanks, these goals Thanksgiving out. Day last year, actually. But, um, yeah, so I, I've been there. You get, you get lucky sometimes. But, but uh, Connor, what about you? What was your goal of the week? I was going to go with Andy Polo's goal because it's so impressive, and Josh is not giving it near enough credit for being able to do that. I'll just like, be upset if he beats out Hurtado. If they're, like, both nominated for goal of the year, like, Hurtado's was better. Goal of the year is going to Richie Larea for dancing through the entire Columbus crew. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> no, it won't be. It'll be Gonzalo Higuain's free kick because no. they need to keep him here. There's too many um, options this year. Yeah, which feels weird to say in a shortened season. But I went because I was initially going to go Andy Polo. Uh, the Josh and Drew suggested this beforehand. The Chris Mueller free kick from pretty far out. It was definitely good contact. Uh, was an amazing placement. Uh, I would have liked it a little bit more top corner, but for an MLS free kick, that's pretty good. It's not Dimitri Payet taking a free kick or Lionel Messi. Uh, so to see Chris Miller do that, you got to take it. Um, but that was a really nice goal. Uh, little shout out to Iowa Canola's goal last night, which <laughs> if he put a bit of power on that thing or tried to little flick over the keeper. Oh, that would have been so nice, but. I'll take it. If I was a defender trying to defend Iwakanola, I would just like quit. Like that dude, I can't believe he he's only twenty, but he plays like a grown man. Like he just he just bodies. He exactly. over that Montreal player. He's a Derek <laughs> exactly, and he already bowled over that one New England player like a few weeks ago. Like dude is just terrifying. Like if I was a defender, I'd just be so scared to have to defend him. <laughs> a friend of mine in my program, I'm pretty sure, I had to play against him. Ooh. when he was playing Ooh. and he said he and his brother would look for physical contact in games oh, <laughs> like they'd, they'd have an open lane but they'd run at the guy instead um but he is just an absolute beast and defenders just bounce off of him like it's not even funny at this point uh how unbelievably strong he is he is what Josie Altador would be if he could run <laughs> honestly and should probably be Toronto's DP um, because he's been that good this season. And boy, oh boy, did we need him because 
that attack was not cutting it without Piatti, Altidore, and having to start Patrick Mullins at striker. But we're not talking Toronto FC. We're talking about the games next week, which Toronto FC's game kind of matters. But at the same time, there are definitely some bigger games. So I'll let you two go first, uh, and I'll go last and give it off to Drew to say goodbye. But Josh, why don't we have you go first? Yeah, so I wanted to put mine out first because mine has a direct effect on Drew's pick. But I am going with Chicago versus Minnesota on Wednesday night. And that's solely because of the implications it has on Atlanta United's chances of making the playoffs. If Chicago loses, then Atlanta has a very good chance of going into the playoffs. Or rather, they control their own destiny in, uh, in their later game. So definitely going to be a Minnesota fan for the night. And I'm really interested to see what goes on with this game and and how it affects some later games. And so, Drew, what's your game of the week? Yeah, my game of the week, I think this is the first time I've picked an Atlanta United game is my game of the week, which is very bad given how poor they've been. But yeah, Columbus and Atlanta on Sunday. Yeah, Decision Day is on Sunday, right? It's going to cut into my time watching the Falcons, man. That might be a good thing. Oh, no, you don't get to watch the Falcons play. Come on, man. The Falcons over literally anything else is an easy choice. (laughs) It's literally anything else. As I'm talking, I'm going to see who the Falcons are playing this weekend. But, yeah, I picked um, Atlanta-Columbus just because, see, if Atlanta can sneak in that playoff spot. It was tough. And, by the way, the The Falcons play the Broncos. I was going to say, the fact that you don't even know who they play shows you what you care more about. That game will basically it's be over by the time event. the soccer starts. Two. No, the Falcons will be up by like 17, and then I'll turn into Atlanta United, and I'll come back, and we'll be down by like Those 10, are two. Those are two awful left. teams, by the way, as well. Falcons and Broncos. Which means we might. No. <laughs> Falcons are going to win. They're going to go on like a seven-game win streak, go seven and nine again. <laughs> um, but I'm picking Atlanta-Columbus just because playoff implications, see if Atlanta – can continue this streak of making the playoffs every year that they've been in existence. So given this, even this really bad year for Atlanta United, if they can somehow keep that streak alive, it'd be interesting. So I'm picking Columbus and Atlanta on Sunday. Connor, what is your game to watch this week? Well, it feels wrong not to select a Western Conference game, but I feel like we have to include this match um, because it has such huge playoff implications in the DC-Montreal game because this will decide one of the two teams who get into the playoffs. I think that's just a guarantee. So whoever wins this match, they're in, period. Um, looking at the West, though, I feel like we should give a bit of a shout-out to them. Uh, San Jose, Seattle. Big for How San Jose. How about LAFC Portland? That's going to that's gonna be big. Portland's going for that first seed in the West, so that's, that yeah. game can have a lot riding on it. Portland and Colorado on Wednesday night. Talking about Portland in the first seed and Colorado fighting for playoffs. Another good one. Portland's got some big games. Vancouver LA Galaxy. No. Um, Minnesota FC Dallas. Not really. Yeah, there aren't very many good games in the West on Decision Day, in specifics. Um, but maybe Portland Colorado. We could give a shout out to. But yeah, West is definitely got to watch the East this weekend because. There are a lot of good matches, and a lot of things can change uh, come decision day, but we'll talk about that next week. 
Drew, take us out. Yeah, thank you guys so much again, as usual, for listening as we talk all things Major League Soccer as the regular season begins to wind down. But playoffs are coming right up, so we're super excited to watch those games and talk about those with you. So thank you guys so much for listening. As usual, please visit the website at MLSMultiplex.com to check out a lot of really good content for more specific team coverage, whether it be Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, or whatever. We have a lot of really awesome writers covering their teams. Uh, so please visit the website and follow the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex. And you can find us three on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville. So be sure to follow us on Twitter, catch our takes during the games. Um, And as always, please leave us a review. We love hearing what you guys have to say, how we can improve the podcast. We love hearing from you guys. So please don't hesitate to leave us a review. And thank you guys again so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.